Blog Talk Radio. And as I mentioned, 
last week, we have a unique period within our American society where government officials and politicians and, and the general public are being called upon to be more civil to one another. And, and indeed, President Obama can be quoted during his debates, uh, during his primary and election debates, as stressing the need to be able to have uh, a posture of being disagree to disagree without being disagreeable. So some of us are blaming others for creating a culture and an anti-social behavior that is responsible for such incidents which recently occurred, such as the tragedies and uh, the attempted assassination of a congresswoman in Tucson, Arizona. And that is one of the reasons why I picked the four agreements by Dan, Don Miguel-Ruiz to share with you tonight. Like Dr. Maladoma Soma, whose books of Water and the Spirit and the Healing Wisdom of Africa, which was featured actually on my uh, previous shows, Don Miguel-Ruiz is also a shaman, like Dr. Soma, and he's a healer. And indeed, he was born in, into a family of healers and raised in a rural medical uh, section by Coradero Healer, his mother, and a Miguel, which means shaman, his grandfather. The family anticipated that Miguel would embrace their centuries-old legacy of healing and teaching and carry forth the esoteric Totak knowledge. Instead, distracted by modern life, the girl chose to attend medical school and become a surgeon. However, a near-death experience changed his life. Late one night in the early 1970s, he awoke suddenly, having fallen asleep at the wheel of his car. At that instant, the car careened into a wall of concrete, and Don Miguel remembered that he was not in his physical body as he pulled his two friends to safety. Stunned by this experience, he began an intensive practice of self-inquiry. He devoted himself to the mastery of the ancient wisdom, learning and studying earnestly with his mother and completing an apprenticeship with a powerful shaman in the Mexican desert. His grandfather, who had since passed on, continued to teach him in his dreams. In the tradition of the Taltic, Anego guides an individual to personal freedom. Thusly, Don Miguel Ruiz, Nagal, from the Eagle Knight lineage, had dedicated his life to sharing the wisdom of its ancient Taltic. In the Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz reveals the source of self-limiting beliefs that rob us of joy and create needless suffering. Based on an ancient Taltic wisdom, the Four Agreements offer a powerful code of conduct that can rapidly transform our lives to a new experience of freedom, true happiness, and love. And as I mentioned last month, I interviewed Dr. Maladoman Somme on my show on October the 23rd, 2010. And at that time, he talked about the healing attributes of the African drum and its relationship with our ancestors, family, and our collective community. I would like to suggest that you log into that show, which is on the 23rd of October, 2010, on my blog talk radio site, and click on the archives to listen to that segment when you get a chance. I mentioned earlier that about, about a new program that I have created, and it's called the One Billion Drumming for Peace Group Network, and that's on my Facebook page. It's 
come to, it came to me actually from spirit that every family within the African diaspora and, and all, all the communities that are committed to healing and reconnecting to our African roots should have an African drum in the home. And the goal is to have at least one million homes with drums by the end of the year of 2011. And to have this grow exponentially each following year until it reaches a total of one billion. It is my hope and prayer that this will happen in my lifetime. However, of course, uh, this is nothing that, this is not something that's coming from me exclusively. I don't own the idea. And I'm always looking forward to others to take the idea and carry it forward in terms of this being a, a, uh, an objective for generations to come. You can join the Facebook site by going to www.drumsoffreedom.com. And if you're interested in purchasing an African drum uh, just in time for the celebration of Black History Month this coming February, please feel free to go to my website, which is www.drumsofchange.com, or you can just go to uh, .drumsofchange.com. And oh yes, uh, you will be able to purchase drums via my associate partnership with Amazon.com with some drums which are priced as low, if you can believe, as $29, including shipping and handling. Uh, these drums would normally be selling retail at your local department store or local store, for that matter, drum store in your neighborhood, for over $100. So uh, indeed, the price points are very, very reasonable. I call these drums starter drums, which make a perfect gift for youngsters and any adult, for that matter, who may be just learning how to play drums for the first time. There you will also find drums for adults and, and those of you who are experienced and professional drummers. And, of course, we recommend that you go to your local African drum store in your neighborhood so that you can support the merchants and, and your local community. The drums, however, that you do purchase on my site will financially support the brothers and sisters in Africa who, who make their living, and, and they export these uh, drums to us abroad. Please take a look at the YouTube video on the front page of my site at drum to change drumsofspiritcom and I have a video there that I uh, uh, display where I performed during President Obama's inauguration, not just for him, but to honor mainly our ancestors, and to acknowledge his becoming the first African-American president of the United States. And on that particular clip, the YouTube clip, I also talk about the African drum. As always, I invite you to call in with your comments about the book itself that I'm about to read. And with any general comments regarding this book or any other books that are written by Don Miguel Ruiz, and if you believe, I'd like to know, if you believe in the principles of the Four Agreement or other cultural traditions which uh, uh, speak of the same principles that are found within the four agreements. In other words, have you had experiences with any of these traditions, and are you involved with the religious or spiritual, a spiritual path which does not recognize these traditions? And does a belief in ritual and magic and initiation conflict with your family values or your upbringing? So please feel free to share your point of view. There is no right or wrong answers, of course. On this show, everyone's thoughts and opinions are respected. This show will also inform you of practical tips, tips of enhancing your overall quality of 
health in terms of life, spirit, mind, and body. And I must stress that I'm not a medical doctor, of course, and I'm not giving medical advice in any way, but what I do share is what personally works for me and my family, and I hope that you too will find some benefit from many things that we share with you on the show about health. And as with all things, of course, please check with the licensed medical professional before embarking on any changes in your health routine. For this time, I'd like to take a short break, and when I return, I'd like to begin reading from the four agreements. The chat room is open, and please feel free to uh, enter and interact with each other. And for those of you who are listening on the Internet, and if you'd like to call in, the number is 323-927-1412. And if you wish to speak with us, Please remove your headsets and uh, stand away from the computer modem uh, just to avoid feedback. Thank you, and uh, we'll be right back. I'm back, and um, I'm going to start, uh, should I say, continue reading from the first chapter, Domestication and the Dream of the Planet. But before I begin, I'd just like to uh, uh, invite my wife to say hello. Hello, everyone. It's good to have you here. We had such a great morning with your show. And um, I'm looking forward to this show having the same type of energy. Oh, I think it will. We did have a good time this morning. I really enjoyed it. And our guest, Rosa, was awesome. Wasn't she, though? Yes. Yes, yes. In that show, our listening audience, we were talking about uh, domestic violence. And, uh, of course, uh, we're going to be inviting Rosa on again. But if you'd like to listen to the archives of my wife's show, uh, what is the station again New Spirit Talk Radio, but I, I posted it on my Facebook profile page, so you just have to go to my page and just click on it and it'll start. Great, and her page is Spirit Change on Facebook. Okay, so we had left off last week with uh, Chapter 1, The Domestication and the Dream of the Planet. So I'm going to continue from the point that I left off, and it starts by saying, to be what we are not because we are afraid of being rejected. That is the fear. The fear of being rejected becomes the fear of not being good enough. Eventually, we become someone that we are not. We become a carbon copy of mama's beliefs, daddy's beliefs, society's beliefs, and religion's beliefs. 
All our normal tendencies are lost in the process of domestication. And then we, and when we are old enough for our mind to understand, we learn the word no. The adults say, don't do this and don't do that. We rebel and say no. We rebel because we are defending our freedom. We want, we want to be ourselves, but we are very little, and the adults are big and strong. And after a certain time, we're afraid because we know that every time we do something wrong, we're going to be punished. So domestication is so strong that at a certain point in our life, we no longer need anyone to, get to domesticate us. We don't need mom and dad and the school or the church to domesticate us. We are so well trained that we are our own domesticator. We are an auto-domesticated animal. We can now domesticate ourselves according to the same belief systems that we were given and using the same system of punishment and reward. We punish ourselves when we don't follow the rules according to our belief system. We reward ourselves when we are the good boy or the good girl. The belief system is like a book of law that rules our mind. Without question, whatever is in that book of law is our truth. We base all of our judgments according to the book of law, even if these judgments go against our own inner nature. Even moral laws like the Ten Commandments are programmed into our mind in the process of domestication. One by one, all of these agreements go into the book of law, and these agreements rule over dreams. There is something in our minds that judges everybody and everything, including the weather, the dog, the cat, everything. The inner judge uses what is in our book of law to judge everything that we do and don't do, everything we think and don't think, and everything we feel and don't feel. Everything lives under the tyranny of this judge. Every time we do something that goes against the book of law, the judge says we are guilty. We need to be punished. We should be ashamed. This happens many times a day, day after day, for all the years of our lives. There is another part of us that receives the judgments, and this part is called the victim. The victim carries, carries the blame, the guilt, and the shame. It is part of us that says, poor me, I'm not good enough. I'm not intelligent enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not worthy of love. Poor me. The big judge, judge agrees and says, yes, you're not good enough. And this is all based on a belief system that we, were ch chose, that we never chose to believe. These beliefs are so strong that even years later when we are exposed to new concepts, and try to make our own decisions, we find that these beliefs will still control our lives. Whatever goes against the law of the book of law will make you feel a funny sensation in your inner solar plexus. And it is called fear. Breaking the rules in the book of laws opens your emotional wounds, and your reaction is to create emotional poison. Because everything that is in the book of law has to be true. Everything that challenges what you believe is going to make you feel unsafe. Even the book of law is wrong 
If it is wrong, it makes you feel safe. That is why we need a great deal of courage to challenge our own beliefs. Because even if we know that we didn't choose all of these beliefs, it is also true that we agreed to, to all of them. The agreement is so strong that even if we understand the concept of it not being true, we feel the blame, the guilt, and the shame that occur if we go against these rules. Just as a government has a book of laws that rules the society's dream, our belief system is the book of laws that rules our personal dream. All these laws exist in our mind. We believe them, and the judge inside us bases everything on these rules. The judge decrees, and the victim suffers the guilt and punishment. But who says there is justice in this dream? True justice is pain only once for each mistake. True justice is pain more than once for each mistake. Or should I say true injustice is pain more than once for each mistake. How many times do we pay for one mistake? The answer is thousands of times. The human is the only animal on earth that pays a thousand times for the same mistake. The rest of the animals pay once for every mistake they make, but not us. We have a powerful memory. We make a mistake, we judge ourselves, we find ourselves guilty, we punish ourselves. If justice exists, then that was enough. We don't need to do it again. But every time we remember, we judge ourselves again, and we are guilty again, and we punish ourselves again, again, and again. If we have a wife or husband, he or she also reminds us of the mistake, so we can judge ourselves again, punish ourselves again, and find ourselves guilty again. Is this fair? How many times do we make our spouse, our children, or our parents pay for the same mistake? Every time we remember the mistake, we blame them again and send them all the emotional poison we feel at the injustice. And then we make them pay again for the same mistake. Is that justice? The judging in mind is wrong because the belief system, the book of law is wrong. The whole dream is based on false law. 95% of the beliefs we have stored in our minds are nothing but lies, and we suffer because we believe all of those lies. In the dream of the planet, it is normal for humans to suffer, to live in fear, and to create emotional drama. The outside dream is not a pleasant dream. It is a dream of violence, a dream of fear, a dream of war, a dream of injustice. The personal dreams of humans will vary, but globally it is mostly a nightmare. If we look at human society, we see a place so difficult to live in because it is ruled by fear. Throughout the world, we see humans suffering, anger, revenge, addictions, violence in the street, and tremendous injustice. And it may exist in different levels in different countries around the world, but fear is controlling the outside dream. If we compare the dream of human society with the description of hell that religions all around the world have promulgated, we find that they are exactly the same. 
Religions say that hell is a place of punishment, a place of fear, pain, and suffering, a place where the fire burns you. Fire is generated by emotions that come from fear. Whenever we feel the emotions of anger, jealousy, envy, or hate, we experience a fire burning within us. We are living in the dream of hell. If you consider hell as a state of mind, then hell is all around us. Others may warn us that if we don't do what we say we should do, we will go to hell. Bad news. We are already in hell, including the people who tell us that. No human can condemn a number another to hell because we are already there. Others can put us into a deeper hell, true, but only if we allow this to happen. I find it to be very interesting, especially uh, with your show that we had this morning. About self-esteem. Self-esteem. And, and people being placed in such a hellish uh, predicament such as spousal abuse. Oh, yes. So, uh, uh, Miguel, Don Miguel has something to share with us in terms of how we have been uh, conditioned by the Book of Law, as it were, as he says, to embrace a certain belief system that was passed on by our parents, our mother and father. So, uh, it's really something that's very serious to take... Uh, Note of, and as we were saying earlier today, or this evening actually, about being around people who you don't want to be around, or removing yourself from people who you don't feel comfortable being with. Right. We talked about being true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, can you look in the mirror and say, oh, I did that because I really wanted to, or did I do that? because someone else wanted me to do it, but I was not happy at all. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the way you have to question yourself at the end of the day. And if you're going to do something for someone else that you don't want to do, are you clear as to why you're really doing this? Are you doing it knowing you're making a sacrifice, or are you doing it to make the other person feel good or because you don't want to rock the boat or there's, there's any number of questions, but at the end of the day, you're going to feel that guilt and sometimes anger, which you can turn inward at yourself or you can lash out at your loved ones and they didn't do anything to you, but you're angry at them because you did something you didn't want to do with someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting when he says that we are the only animal. Uh, species, even though we're not just an animal, we are spiritual beings first and then uh, human body second, but we punish ourselves thousands and thousands of times we came for the, the same mistake over and over again. Repeatedly, and we let others, we let others yes. make us pay for a mistake over and over again instead of telling them, and of course, you know, a child might not be able to say this to their parent, but as adults, we, we let other people remind us of things and make us pay for them all over and over again mm-hmm. without calling any names. And you probably know who I'm referring to, but I have a friend that will remind me, oh, when we were young, you did X, Y, Z. Why do you need to, I don't do that anymore, so why do you need to talk about it? Right. 
And you personally know that I have put aside friends mm -hmm. for that very reason. Mm -hmm. They don't want to let you move on mm -hmm. because they don't want to move on. So they don't, they don't want to facilitate your growth. They actually want to do whatever they can to carry you in a backwards motion and put you in a frame of mind that you might have been when they knew you when you were 20. Mm. Why would someone do that? So you, you let them go. You discard them out of your life. Mm -hmm. You let them go. And those people have the fear. They don't want to move from where they were, were 30 years ago, 20 years ago, right. when they were youngsters. They don't want you to no, move either. You've got to let them go. Yes. You still love them. Oh, you can still love them. You've got to let them go. Unless you want to stay 20 years in the past, then that's up to you because we all have free will. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that mm -hmm. intrinsically, but I'm saying that it's not for me. Mm -hmm. I'm for evolving. I'm for raising my consciousness and the consciousness of others who are willing. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, moving forward, I'm not, I'm not a reactionary person. I don't want to live in the past and stay there. Mm -hmm. I may do it every now and then, but I'm not <laughs> saying. I'm not saying. <laughs> so it's, it's not going to be. You're not going to exercise any call blanche. No. You stay there. No. <laughs> so it, it ties in with what um, Don Miguel Ruiz mm -hmm. was talking about. We will punish ourselves. We're our own worst enemies. We will punish ourselves over and over again for something that happened just so long ago, and we allow others to take us to that space too. Mm. We allow others to take us to that space. Well, yes, I'm just so happy that I, I, I picked this book, and as you know, nothing is by accident. There's the fact that you were inter interviewing uh, Rosa. Yes. Today and, Rosa and, Torres. Rosa Torres. And she was. Uh, she wrote a book, uh, which is a very good book. Uh, what was it called? Abuse, abuse hidden behind the badge. Yes. Okay. Abuse hidden behind the badge. And uh, there's so many of us who are intimidated by uh, our spouse or significant other, or some friends and family members, because of the fact that they project a certain image. And in this case, uh, the hidden behind the badge, we're talking about the law. And it so happens that I'm reading uh, the first chapter, and Don Miguel uh, talks about the, the, the law. The law, yeah. Uh, that we establish within ourselves, within our psyche. We, we, we have a certain law that we carry on, which is taught to us by our parents initially. Mm -hmm. So we have to have the courage to modify the law when it's necessary. To, to do, as they say in, 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 in legal uh, 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 jargon, to make an amendment, you know, and you start with that with yourself. So I just thought I'd share that. At this moment, I'm going to take a break, a short break, and we'll be back in a moment to continue reading from uh, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's The Four Agreements.
I'm back again. And uh, what I'd like to do before I continue reading from uh, where I left off is to briefly go over the, uh, the four agreements that this book pertains to. And I'll give a brief uh, definition of the agreements. The first one being, be impeccable with your word. Speak with integrity. Say only what you mean. Avoid using the word to speak against yourself or to gossip about others. Use the power of your word in the direction of truth and love. The second agreement, don't take anything personally. Nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. The third agreement, don't make assumptions. Find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. Communicate with others with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, and drama. With just this one agreement, you can completely transform your life. And the fourth and last agreement, which is always do your best. Your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you're healthy and as opposed to when you're sick. But under any circumstance, simply do your best, and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret. So I just thought that I would uh, share the four agreements for those of you who may not have known or did not read in my description for the show, and also uh, so that you can just take these four agreements into your psyche and hopefully it will resonate something within you that you needed to recall. Because we all know these agreements actually intuitively. But it helps to have a person like Don Miguel Ruiz uh, to write a book that can remind us about these agreements and to give his take and his uh, knowledge, the work that he has done as a shaman, as a teacher, as a healer, so that we all can heal ourselves and help each other to heal. That's really one of the main reasons why we're here on this earth and alive today is to assist each other in our healing. All right, I'm going to continue from where I left off. If you consider hell as a state of mind, then hell is all around us. Others may warn us that if we don't do what we say we should do, or what they say we should do, we will go to hell. Bad news. We are already in hell, including the people who tell us that. No human can condemn another to hell because we are already there. Others can put us in a deeper hell, true, but only if we allow this to happen. Every human has his or her own personal dream. And just like the society dream, it is often ruled by fear. We learn to dream hell in our own life, in our personal dreams. The same fears manifest in different ways for each person. And of course, we experience anger, jealousy, hate, envy, and other negative emotions. Our personal dream can also become an ongoing nightmare where we suffer and live in a state of fear. But we don't need to dream a nightmare. 
it is possible to enjoy a pleasant dream. All of humanity is searching, searching for truth, justice, and beauty. We are on an, an eternal search for the truth because we only believe in our, in our lives that we have stored, we only believe in our lives what we have stored in our mind. We are searching for justice because in the belief system we have, there is no justice. We search for beauty because it doesn't matter how beautiful a person is. We don't believe that person has beauty. We keep searching and searching when everything is already within us. There is no truth to find. Wherever we turn our heads, all we see is the truth. But with the agreements and beliefs that we have stored in our mind, we have no eyes for this truth. We don't see the truth because we are blind. And what blinds us are all those false beliefs we have in our mind. We have the need to be right or to make others wrong. We trust what we believe, and our beliefs set us up for suffering. It is as if we live in the middle of a fog that doesn't let us see any further than our own nose. We live in a fog that is not even real. This fog is a dream, your personal dream of life, what you believe. All the concepts you have about you are all the agreements that you have made with others, with yourself and even with God. Your whole mind is a fog which the Taltics call a metode, pronounced metote. Your mind is a dream where a thousand people talk at the same time and nobody understands each other. This is the condition of the human mind, a big matoti. And with the big matoti, you cannot see what you really are. In India, they call the matoti maya, which means illusion. It is the personality's notion that I am. Everything you believe about yourself in the world, all the concepts and the programming you have in your mind, and all the matoti, we cannot see who you really are. We cannot see that we are not free. That is why humans resist life. To be alive is the biggest fear humans have. Death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive. The risk to be alive and express what we really are. Just being yourself is the biggest fear of humans. We have learned to live our life trying to satisfy other people's demands. We have learned to live by other people's points of view because of the fear of not being accepted and of not being good enough for someone else. During the process of domestication, we form an image of what perfection is in order to try to be good enough. We create a usage of how, an image of how we should be in order to be accepted by everybody. We especially try to please the ones who love us like mom and dad, big brothers and sisters, the priest and the teacher. Trying to be good enough for them, we create an image of perfection. But we don't fit this image. We create this image, but this image is not real. We're never going to be perfect from this point of view. Never. Not being perfect, we reject ourselves, and the level of self-rejection depends upon the, the effective of the adults who are breaking into our integrity. 
after domestication, it is no longer about being good enough for anybody else. We are not good enough for ourselves because we don't fit with our own image of perfection. We cannot forgive ourselves for not being what we wish to be, but rather what we believe we should be. We cannot forgive ourselves for not being perfect. We know we are not what we believe we are supposed to be, and so we find and feel forced frustration, and we are dishonest with our beliefs. We try to hide ourselves, and we pretend to be what we are not. The result is that we feel inauthentic and, and wear social masks to keep ourselves and others from noticing this. We are so afraid that this somebody else will notice that we are not what we pretend to be. We judge others according to our image of perfection, and as well, and naturally, they fall short of our expectations. We dishonor ourselves just to please other people. We even do harm to our physical bodies just to be accepted by others. We see teenagers taking drugs just to avoid being rejected by other teenagers. They are not aware that the problem is that they don't accept themselves. They reject themselves because they are not what they pretend to be. They wish to be a certain way, but they are not. And for this, they carry shame and guilt. Humans punish themselves endlessly for not being what they believe they should be. They become very self-abusive, and they use other people to abuse themselves as well. But nobody abuses us more than we abuse ourselves, and it is the judge, the victim, and the belief system that makes us do this. True, we find people who say their husband or wife or mother or father abuse them. But you, but you know that we abuse ourselves much more than that. The way we judge ourselves is the worst judge that ever existed. If we make a mistake in front of people, we try to deny the mistake and to cover it up. But as soon as we are alone, the judge becomes so strong, the guilt is so strong, and we feel so stupid or so bad or so unworthy. In your whole life, nobody has ever abused you more than you have abused yourself. And the limit of your self-abuse is exactly the limit that you will tolerate from someone else. If someone abuses you a little more than you abuse yourself, you will probably walk away from that person. But if someone abuses you a little less than you abuse yourself, you will probably stay in the relationship and tolerate it endlessly. That's a mouthful. So, if we, if someone abuses you less than you abuse yourself, you tolerate you're tolerate them. And you'll stay with them indefinitely. Yes. Even though, in fact, they're abusing you. Yes. But you're going to tolerate it because they abuse you less than you abuse yourself. So, you have those people who have this intuitiveness. Maybe they're going to have it intellectually in their mindset. But they meet someone, and they can probably pick certain places to go to meet certain people because they know that there's a preponderance, a propensity, that there are people there who abuse themselves. So it's like how the con artists are able to read people 
they, they can read people. They know who more than likely will be a victim, who will be susceptible mm-hmm. to the game. Absolutely. And that's who they go after. They won't, they won't pick certain people. Mm-hmm. It, it's, like, it's like men who, and women, but mostly men, who are looking for a one-night stand, and they can look at a woman and in like one or two seconds know this one will go out with me, that one won't. Mm-hmm. And they, it could even be two friends who are going out together and the man will approach both of them and he immediately knows this one's not having it. Mm-hmm. But this one here, I'll probably be able to take her home. Yes. It's that type of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's that type of uh, approach that then, people take. And then after taking him home or her home, Right? They determine, well, well, this one will accept a certain amount of abuse. Yeah. And that abuse can be can start by spiritual or emotional abuse, and then it can dovetail into physical abuse. Right. The emotional abuse starts where they isolate the person from their family and from the loved one. Mm-hmm. They'll monopolize their time. They'll mm-hmm. do it in such a way where, and now I think we're getting off of the topic of four agreements, but mm-hmm. we're really not. No, we don't. But they'll monopolize the time in such a way that they don't have time to see their friends anymore. Mm-hmm. But they'll convince them, well, you've outgrown so-and-so. Why would you want to hang out with them? Oh. And, and, and mm-hmm. the person now is feeling important. Oh, I have someone that... You know, that's talking to me like they're bringing me on a higher level or something. Hmm. You know, I can't be bothered with those those trifling friends back there. And they believe it, and next thing they're caught up in it, they're stuck, they're being abused, and then the person may start physically abusing themselves. Right. So we find this phenomenon happening with one-to-one relationships, one-on-one. We also find this in certain so-called cults, where yes. a religious leader is able sure. to get tens. Ten, a hundred, thousands of people with the same mindset. Right. And then tell them, you need to remove yourself from this family or from those friends that you had. Right. Because you're too good for them. Right. So they're all in agreement with that. Mm-hmm. Because what's happening is the person is appealing to the ego. Ah. Ah. They're appealing to the ego. Mm-hmm. They're not appealing to spirit because if they were appealing to spirit, they probably wouldn't be able to get away with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Because spirit would say, hmm, first of all, you're judging my family and friends. You don't even know them. How can you say that I'm better off with you than them? And I've known them a long time, and I just met you. What are we talking about? Wow. Spirit, would, spirit would unveil, would take those covers off and say, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. But when you're feeling to the ego, the ego is like, Wow, here's someone that's telling me I'm all that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So the ego is the one that gets us in trouble. All the time. All the time. All the time. Edging out. And ego is, I remember when I heard the definition of that acronym, uh, edging God out. Okay. E-G-O. Okay. Edging God out. So we always have to leave space, if not most space in ourselves and our psyche, for God to be there, for the spirit to be there, to guide us and let us know what's real. And this Miguel talks about in terms of the dream, our personal dream and our collective dream. Let it be 
higher self oriented as opposed to lower self. And the lower self is always dealing with the fear. So I'm happy that I was able to read this. It's just a synchronicity that this coincides with the shows that you've been doing. Yes, yes. The one you did this, this morning. Just this morning. It's, it's remarkable. Yes, yes, yes. But there are no accidents. Absolutely. Everything is in divine order, as we know. Yes. So let me pick up from where I left off. Oh, okay. Uh, I might go back into before I left off so that we can have continuity. If you abuse yourself very badly, you can even tolerate someone who beats you up, humiliates you, and treats you like dirt. Why? Because in your belief system, you say, I deserve it. This person is doing me a favor by being with me. And I'm not worthy of love or respect. I'm not good enough. We have the need to be accepted and to be loved by others. We cannot accept and love ourselves. The more self-love we have, the less we will experience self-abuse. Self-abuse comes from self-rejection, and self-rejection comes from having an image of what it means to be perfect and never measuring up to that image. Our image of perfection is the reason we reject ourselves. It is why we don't accept ourselves the way we are and why we don't accept others the way they are. Preclude to a new dream. There are thousands of agreements that you have made with yourself and other people. With your dream of life, with God, with society, with your parents, with your spouse, with your children. But the most important agreement are the ones you make with yourself. In these agreements, you tell yourself who you are, what you feel, what you believe, and how to behave. The result is what, you, is what you call your personality. In these agreements, you say, this is what I am. This is what I believe. I will do certain things and some things I cannot do. This is reality. This is fantasy. This is possible and this is impossible. Our single agreement is not such a problem, but we have many agreements that make us suffer, that make us fail in life. If you want to live a life of joy and fulfillment, you have to find the courage to break those agreements that are far that are fear based and claim your personal power. The agreement that comes from fear requires us to expend a lot of energy, but the agreements that come from love help us to conserve energy and even gain extra energy. Each of us is born with a certain amount of personal power that we rebuild every day after we rest. And unfortunately, we spend all of our personal power first to create all those agreements and then to keep these agreements. Our personal power is dissipated by all the agreements we have created, and the result is that we feel powerless. We have just enough power to survive each day because most of it is used to keep the agreements that trap us in the dream of the planet. How can we change the entire dream of our life when we have no power to change even the smallest agreement? If we can see it, that it is our agreement which rules our life, and we don't like the dream of our life, we need to change the agreements. When we are finally ready, when we are finally ready to change our agreements, there are 
four very powerful agreements that will help us break these agreements. They come from fear and the Pleon energy. Each time you break an agreement, all the power that you use to create it returns to you. If you adopt these four agreements, they will create enough personal power for you to change the entire system of your old agreements. You need a very strong will in order to adopt the four agreements. But if you can begin to live your life with these agreements, the transformation in your life will be amazing. You will see the drama of, of hell disappear right before your very eyes. Instead of living in the dream of hell, you will be creating a new dream, your personal dream of heaven. I'm going to pause and take a break again, and we'll be back with you in a few moments. again, and um, we're starting uh, the second chapter, and which happens to be the first agreement, be impeccable with your word. The first agreement is the most important one, and also the most difficult one to honor. It is so important that with just this first agreement, you will be able to transcend to the level of existence I call heaven on earth. The first agreement is to be impeccable with the word. It sounds very simple, but it is very, very powerful. Why your word, you may ask? Well, the word is the power that you have to create. The word is the gift that comes directly from God. The Gospel of John in the Bible, speaking of the creation of the universe, says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word is God. Through the Word, you express your creative power. It is through the Word that you manifest everything, regardless of what language you speak. Your intent manifests through the Word. But your dream, what you feel, and what you really are will be manifested through the Word. The Word is not just a sound or a written symbol. The Word is a force. It is the power you have to express and to communicate, to think, and thereby to create the events in your life. You can speak what others, what other animals on the planet can speak. The word is the most powerful tool you have as a human. It is the tool of magic. But like a sword with two edges, your word can create the most beautiful dream or your word can destroy everything around you. One edge is 
the misuse of the word, which creates a living hell. The other edge is the impeccability of the word, which will only create beauty, love, and heaven on earth. Depending upon how it is used, the word can set you free, or it can enslave you even more than you know. All the magic you possess is based on your word. Your word is pure magic, and misuse of the word is black magic. The word is so powerful that one word can change a life or destroy the lives of millions of people. Some years ago, one man in Germany, by the use of the word, manipulated a whole country of the most intelligent people. He led them into a world of war with just the power of his word. He convinced others to commit the most atrocious acts of violence. He activated people's fear with the word, and like a big explosion, there was killing and war all around the world. All over the world, humans destroyed other humans because they were afraid of each other. Hitler's world, based on fear-generated beliefs and agreements, will be remembered for centuries to come. The human mind is like a fertile ground where seeds are continually being planted. The seeds are, are opinions, ideas, and concepts. The plant you plant a seed, a thought, and it grows. The word is like a seed, and the human mind is so fertile. The only problem is that too often it is fertile for the seeds of fear. Every human mind is fertile, but only for those kinds of seeds is it prepared for. What is important is to see which kind of seeds our mind is fertile for and to prepare it to receive the seeds of love. Take the example of Hitler. He sent out all those seeds of fear, and they grew very strong and beautifully achieved massive destruction. Seeing the awesome power of the word, we must understand what power comes out of our mouths. Our fear is doubt planted in our mind can create an endless drama of events. One word is like a spell, and humans use the word like black magicians thoughtlessly pitting spells on each other. Every human is a magician. And we can either put a spell on someone with our word, or we can release someone from a spell. We cast spells all the time with our opinions. For example, I see a friend and give him an opinion that just popped into my mind. I say, hmm, I see that kind of color in your face and people who are going to get cancer. Now, if he listens to the word and he agrees, he will have cancer on in less than one year. That is the power of the word. During our domestication, our parents, siblings, give their opinions about us without even thinking. We believed these opinions, and we lived in fear over these opinions, like not being good at swimming or sports or writing. Someone gives an opinion and says, oh, look, this girl is ugly. The girl listens, believes she is ugly, and grows up with the idea that she is ugly. It doesn't matter how beautiful she is, how long, as long as she has disagreement, she will believe that she is ugly. That is the spell she is under. By hooking our attention, the word can enter our mind and change a whole belief for better or for worse. Another example. 
You may believe that you're stupid, and you may have believed this for as long as you can remember. Disagreement can be very tricky, causing you to do a lot of things just to ensure that you are stupid. You may do something and think to yourself, I wish I was smart, but I must be stupid. I wouldn't have done that. The mind goes in hundreds of different directions, and we could spend days getting hooked by just that one belief in our own stupidity. Then, one day, someone mentions and hooks your attention using the word and lets you know that you are not stupid. You believe what the person says, and you make a new agreement. As a result, you no longer feel or act stupid. A whole spell is broken just by the power of the word. And conversely, if you believe that you are stupid and someone hooks your attention and says, yes, you are really the most stupid person I've ever met, the agreement will be reinforced and become even stronger. Now let us see what the word impeccability means. Impeccability means without sin. Impeccable comes from the Latin precocious, which means sin. The M in impeccable means without. So impeccable means without sin. Religions talk about sin and sinners, but let's understand what it really means to sin. A sin is anything that you do which goes against yourself. Everything you feel or believe or say that goes against yourself is a sin. You go against yourself when you judge or blame yourself for anything. Being without sin is exactly the opposite. Being impeccable is not going against yourself. When you are impeccable, you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. And from this point of view, the whole concept of sin changes from something moral or religious to something common sense. Sin begins with rejection of yourself. Self-rejection is the biggest sin that you can commit. In religious terms, self-rejection is a mortal sin, which leads to death. Impeccability, on the other hand, leads to life. So, each uh, chapter, paragraph, and sentence that I read there is this aha moment that we, we have within ourselves. I know within me that, that occurs. And the aha moment even gets into the synchronicity, us talking about friends recently. Yeah. Those who consider themselves to be ugly or not attractive enough, who are very attractive. So we were talking about that this afternoon in the car. That's what I'm alluding to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I'm so happy that I, I'm able to uh, uh, multitask my thinking because uh, it can be kind of difficult and challenging. <laughs> uh, I, I like the levity. <laughs> Even though it's so serious, it's something that we're talking about. We have to have a friend in my life um, who uh, believes in the, the healing effects of laughter. Oh no! <laughs> I'm not, not going to get into that. I'm not just thinking about yeah, that. Right. We have to do a show about laughing. Yeah, we have to invite. We have to invite him on and have to do a show about laughing. Just sit and laugh. As long as it's not self-deprecating and no, 
and, and it and is impeccable laughter. Right, impeccable laughter. Oh, that's a that's a corn expression to come up with. But most of us, I, most of us, I believe, are not impeccable with our speech, mm-hmm. and that is a very that's a very very strong agreement for someone to make. I would even go as far as saying that classes could be held, or maybe not classes, but workshops, mm-hmm. workshops. We probably need to conduct some online workshops mm-hmm. about having impeccable speech. Um, similar to when I did the 30-day visualization workshop, mm-hmm. and you know, people signed up for it, and we were talking about our visualizations, and we were emailing each other back and forth, and that something like that might need to be done for those who want their speech to, to be impeccable. I mean, let's say that many people don't want it, so they're not going to be interested in something like that. Mm-hmm. But for those who want to travel on that journey and accelerate and, you know, just stay on, stay on their path and, and try to ascend mm-hmm. higher than where they are at the current time, having impeccable speech is crucial. Mm-hmm. Uh, just think about little things, because if you're not impeccable in your speech with little things, mm-hmm. you're not going to be impeccable with your speech about things that matter. Mm-hmm. How many times do people say to each other, I'll call you later, and they never call? That was not impeccable speech. And unfortunately, there are people that are actually depending on that call. They wanted you to call. Mm. And you just, you know, whatever. And, oh, I'll call them next week. No big deal. No, it is a big deal. If you didn't intend to call that person, mm. you shouldn't have said, I'll call you later. Mm. Because they stayed home because they thought you were going to call them and they wanted that to happen. That is not impeccable speech. So true. Say what you mean. Mm, and if you say it, if you say it, you need to do it. Mm-hmm. If you don't do it, you need to be accountable and say to the person at the very next opportunity, I know I said I was going to call you yesterday. I'm sorry that I didn't. Such and such came up or I fell asleep. Whatever the deal may have been, because mm-hmm. people are human. Nobody's going to be perfect. But if you tell somebody you're going to do something, you either better do it or be accountable and say, I know I said I was going to do this. I'm so sorry I fell short. Mm. That's impeccable speech. Absolutely. And I believe that more people than not, that is not their daily practice. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm suggesting that something like on online workshops or, you know, just putting a group together or something and say, let's, let's uh, be a support system for each other. Let's see how, let's, let's communicate with each other back and forth about how our lives have changed in 30 days since we made this commitment. What's happening at your job? What's happening at home? What's happening with your friends? Mm. Are people relating to you differently? Do you feel people are trusting you more? What's going on since you made that commitment to be impeccable with your speech? And that's something that could be done with each one of those agreements. Absolutely. Excellent idea. I'm not suggesting you do it, but since you're reading the book, that might not be bad. (laughs) But I'm just saying, you know, it's just really important to have impeccable speech. Mm -hmm. 
know, I mean, just even even simple things. You might promise your spouse, oh, I'm going to clean out the garage today. Mm-hmm. And the spouse is thinking, wow, you know, and getting excited because they know that's something that needs to happen and has a, and, and then you just play, don't just don't do it. Mm-hmm. And then week after week goes by and you don't do it. That person's not going to trust you, believe me. They're not going to trust you. Mm-hmm. And one day you're going to say something to them where you want them to believe you and trust you, and they're not going to. Uh, because they're going to say, well, every time you say you're going to do this, that, or that, or that, you never do it. And I might not make any waves anymore, but by the same token, I just simply don't believe you no more. Absolutely. And it's as simple as that. And it's a hurting thing for somebody to say that to you. But it, but it would be true. Mm-hmm. They would be telling you the truth. I don't trust you. I don't trust you to fall to be there when you say you're going to be there. Mm-hmm. Because you say you're going to do this, you don't do it. You say you're going to do it, you don't do it, you don't do it. That would be impeccable. Same mm-hmm. thing at the office or whatever, whatever the venue might be. Mm-hmm. People expect you to, if you say something, they expect you to do it. Mm-hmm. If you ain't going to do it, don't say it because it doesn't sound good. It only sounds good if you actually do it. Absolutely. And, and, and saying those things to yourself, being impeccable with your speech, with your words, with yourself. Right. If you promise yourself you're going to do something, you make a goal, then you should follow through with it. Because you're messing with your subconscious when you make promises to yourself and you don't mm-hmm. do it. Your subconscious is going to learn, I never say, I never do what I say I'm going to do. So you have set yourself up for failure mm-hmm. in many areas of your life and if you don't have impeccable speech with yourself. And thus, thus you start abusing yourself. It could, it could not affect abuse. Yeah. It could and definitely not affect abuse. And then when you get into self-abuse, now you're welcoming other people to abuse you. Right, so you're not good enough. You never keep your word anyway. You never do what you say you're going to do. You're never going to be successful because you never, say, you never do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. So now you have opened the door for those who would want to abuse you to make themselves feel better. Right. You're opening the door for them to come in. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Quite a bit to ponder. Oh, yeah. I see we have a few people uh, on, the, on the chat room. Do we have any questions that you'd like to share? Well, we have a visitor that mentioned that they're just checking out the show, and I believe okay. that when, you know, when it's something really sparks their interest, I believe that they'll, you know, they'll participate and be verbal about it. Great. Well, feel free to ask any questions and share your thoughts that you may have uh, regarding uh, the four agreements. And, of course, uh, if you'd like to call in, uh, you can call in at 323-927-1412. All right, I want to continue from where I left off and uh, really, really getting into some good thoughts and, and revealing thoughts about how the impeccable uh, impeccable speech can be so, so uh, effective, negatively or positively in terms of ourselves and our self-image and the image of others. This agreement of impeccable speech can be truly, uh, can be very tricky, causing you to do a lot of things just to ensure that you are stupid. That's the one that I left off when one thinks that they are stupid. You may do something and think to yourself, I wish I was smart, but I must be stupid. I wouldn't have done that. The mind goes in hundreds of different directions, and we could spend days getting blocked or getting hooked by just that one belief in our own stupidity. Then one day, someone 
hooks your attention in using the word uh, and lets you know that you are not stupid. You believe what the person says and make a new agreement. And as a result, you no longer feel and act stupid. A whole spell has been broken just by the power of the word. And conversely, if you believe that you are stupid and someone hooks your attention and says, yes, you are really the most stupid person I ever met, the agreement will be reinforced and become stronger. Now let us see what the word impeccability means in terms of without sin. Impeccable comes from the Latin word peccatus, which means sin. And the M in impeccable means without. So impeccable means without sin. Religions talk about sin and sinners, but let's understand what it really means to sin. A sin is anything you do which goes against yourself. Anything you feel or believe or say that goes against yourself is a sin. You go against yourself when you judge or blame yourself for anything. Being without sin is exactly the opposite. Being impeccable is not going against yourself. If you are impeccable, you take responsibility for your actions, but you do not judge or blame yourself. From this point of view, the whole concept of sin changes from something moral or religious to something common sense. Sin begins with rejection of yourself. Self-rejection is the biggest sin that you commit. In religious terms, self-rejection is a moral sin, which leads us to death. Impeccability, on the other hand, leads us to life. Being impeccable with your word is not using a word against yourself. If I see you in the street and I call you stupid, it appears that I'm using the word against you. But really, I'm using my word against myself because you're going to hate me for this and your hating me is not good for me. Therefore, if I get angry and with my word, send all that emotional poison to you, I'm using the word against myself. If I love myself, I will express that love in my interactions with you. And then I'm being impeccable with the word because that action will produce a likely action. If I love you, then you will love me. If I insult you, you you will insult me. If I have gratitude for you, you will have gratitude for me. If I'm selfish with you, you will be selfish with me. If I use the word to put a spell on you, you're going to put a spell on me. Being impeccable with the word is the correct use of your energy. It means to use your energy in the redirection of truth and love for yourself. If you make an agreement with yourself to be impeccable with your word, just with that intention, the truth will manifest through you and clean all the emotional poison that exists within you. But making this agreement is difficult because we have learned to do precisely the opposite. We have learned to lie as a habit of our communication with others and, more importantly, with ourselves. We are not impeccable with the word. The power of the word is completely misused in hell. We use the word to curse, to blame, to find guilt, to destroy. And of course, we also use it in the right way, but not too often. 
Mostly, we use the word to spread our personal poisons, to express anger, jealousy, envy, and hate. The word is pure magic. The most important gift we have as humans, and we use it against ourselves. We plan revenge. We create chaos with the word. We use the word to create hate between different races, between different people, between families, between nations. We misuse the word so often, and this misuse, this misuse is how we create and perpetuate the dream of hell. Misuse of the word is how we pull each other down and keep each other in a state of fear and doubt because the word is the magic that humans possesses and misuse of the word is black magic. We are using black magic all the time without knowing that our word is black and is magic at all. There is there was a woman, for example, who was intelligent and I had a very you know, she had a very good heart. She had a daughter whom she had adored and loved very much. And one night she came home from a very bad day at work, tired and full of emotional tension and with a terrible headache. She wanted peace and quiet, but her daughter was singing and jumping happily. The daughter was unaware of how her mother was feeling, and she was in her own world, in her own dream. She felt so wonderful, and she was jumping and singing louder and louder, expressing her joy and her love. She was singing so loud that it made her mother's headache even worse. And at a certain moment, the mother lost control. Angrily, she looked at her beautiful daughter, a beautiful little girl, and said, Shut up! You have an ugly voice. Can you just shut up? The truth is that the mother's tolerance for any noise was non-existent. It was not that the little girl's voice was ugly, but the daughter believed what her mother said, and in that moment she made an agreement with herself. After that, she no longer sung because she believed her voice was ugly. She would bother anyone who heard it. She believed that she would be shy at school, and, and if she was asked to sing, she refused. Even speaking to others became difficult for her. Everything changed in the little girl's uh, psyche because of this new agreement. She believed she must express. She, must, she believed that she must repress her emotions in order to be accepted in love. Whenever we hear an opinion or believe it, we make an agreement, and it becomes part of our belief system. This little girl grew up, and even though she had a beautiful voice, she never sung again. She developed a whole complex from one spell. This spell was cast upon her by the one who loved her the most, her own mother. Her mother didn't notice what she did with her words. She didn't notice that she used black magic and put a spell on her daughter. She didn't know the power of her word, and therefore she isn't to blame. She did what her own mother, father, and others have done to her in many ways. They misused the word. How many times do we do this with our own children? We give them these types of opinions, and, and our children carry their black magic for years and, and years. And people who love us do black magic on us but they don't know what they do. That is why we must forgive them. They don't know what they do.
Another example, you awake in the morning feeling very happy. You feel so wonderful you spend one or two hours in front of the mirror making yourself beautiful. Well, one of your best friends says, what happened to you? You look, as, you look ugly. Look at the dress you're wearing. You look ridiculous. That's it. That is enough to put you all the way down in hell. Maybe this girlfriend just told you that just to hurt you, and she did. She gave you an opinion with all the power of her word behind it. If you accept the opinion, it becomes an agreement now, and you put all your power into that opinion. That opinion becomes black magic. These types of spells are difficult to break. The only thing that can break a spell is to make a new agreement based on truth. The truth is the most important part of being impeccable with your word. On one side of the sword are the lies which create black magic, and on the other side of the sword is the truth, which has the power to break the spell of black magic. Only the truth will set us free. Looking at everyday human interactions, imagine how many times we cast spells in each other with our word. Now, this, over time, this interaction has become the worst form of black magic, and we call it gossip. Gossip. Hmm. Gossip is black magic at its very worst because it is pure poison. We learn how to gossip by agreement. When we were true children, we heard the adults around us gossiping all the time, openly giving their opinions about other people. They even had opinions about people they didn't know. Emotional poison was transmitted and transferred along with their opinions. And we learn this is a normal way to communicate. Gossiping has become the main form of communication in human society. It has become the way we feel close to each other because it makes us feel better to see someone else feel as badly as we do. There is an old expression that says, misery likes company. And people who are suffering in hell don't want to be all alone. Fear and suffering are an important part of the dream of the planet. They know the dream of the planet keeps us down. And using the knowledge of the human mind as a computer, gossip can be compared to a computer virus. A computer virus is a piece of computer language written in the same language all the other codes are written in, but with a harmful intent. This code is inserted into the program of your computer you when you least expect it, and most of the time without your knowing and being aware of it. After this code has been introduced, your computer doesn't work quite right, or it doesn't function at all because the code gets so mixed up with so many conflicting messages that it stops producing good results. Hmm. Even gossip works exactly the same way. For example, you're beginning a new class with a new teacher, and you have looked forward to it for a long time. On the first day of class, you run into someone who took the class before, who tells you, oh, that instructor was such a pompous jerk. He didn't know what he was talking about, and he was a pervert too, so watch out. You are immediately imprinted with the word and the emotional cold the person has had, had when saying this. But what you are not aware of is his or her motivation for telling you this. 
This person could be angry for selling the class or simply making an assumption based on fears and, and prejudices. But because you have learned to ingest information like a child, some part of you believes the gossip, and you go on to the class. As the teacher speaks, you feel the poison come up inside you, and you don't realize you see the teacher through the eyes of the person who gave you that gossip. Then you start talking to other people in the class about this, and they start to see the teacher in the same way, as a jerk, as a pervert. You really hate the class, and soon you decide to drop out. You blame the teacher, but it is the gossip that is to blame. All of this mess can be caused by one little computer virus. One little piece of misinformation can break down communication between people, causing every person it touches to become infected and contagious to others. Imagine that every single time others gossip to you, they insert a computer virus into your mind, causing you to think a little less clearly every time. Then imagine that in an effort to clean up your own confusion and to get some relief from the poison, you gossip and spread those viruses to someone else. Now, imagine this pattern going on in a never-ending chain between all the humans on Earth. The result is a world full of humans who only read information through circuits that are clogged with a poisonous, contagious virus. Once again, this poisonous virus is what the Toltecs calls the Matoti, the chaos of a thousand different voices, all trying to talk at once in the mind. Even worse are the black physicians and are the computer hackers who intentionally spread the virus. Think back to a time when you or someone you know was angry with someone else and desired revenge. In order to seek revenge, you said someone to or about that person with the intention of spreading poison and making that person feel bad about him or herself. As children, we do this quite thoughtlessly. But as we grow older, we become more calculated in our efforts to bring other people down. Then we lie to ourselves and say that person received a just punishment for their wrongdoing. When we see the world through a computer virus, it is easy to justify the cruelest behavior. And, and what we don't see is that misuse of our word is putting us deeper into hell. Hmm. So I'm going to take a break for a moment and we'll return and, and I'm going to share some thoughts with you about what I just read. And perhaps those of you uh, would like to call in or share thoughts in the chat room. And um, we can continue with this very uh, uh, exciting and revealing emotional charge chapter dealing with impeccable speech.
tonight. And I appreciate you tuning in tonight. Um, I really uh, enjoy sharing uh, thoughts with you and reading from certain, uh, from such books such as The Four Agreements, which uh, I feel very much needed to to share with our, amongst ourselves in terms of uh, enhancing our our self-awareness and the awareness of others in our world and our circle of life, family and friends and associates. What I just read about the the word and, and how we have been impacted since childhood in terms of the self-image we, we receive, it seems it's so obvious that we continue to embrace the, uh, the things that influence us as children going into adulthood. And just an example, uh, a woman who has a daughter and she's coming from work and she's stressed out and having a headache, and her daughter is in a state of joy, singing and so forth, and she just yells at her and tells her that she can't sing, or that her voice is ugly. And how that has impacted this child into her growing up as a teenager and, and indeed becoming an adult. Well, how many of us have that that uh, part of our psyche that was uh, receptive to seeds being planted into our psyche? You know, and I guess that's what uh, some of us who go to therapy, and, and, and as my wife was talking about earlier, those of us who embrace the metaphysical aspect of, of uh, reincarnation and, and, and going into past life regression and things of that nature, just delve into those areas that are uh, lying dormant, uh, those seeds of a planet, which have held us back from reaching our fullest potential. It's really true. And um, I deal with it all the time with clients who call me for meetings or they, you know, counseling. It's something that was, it's something that was accepted by them at a young age and they didn't realize it. And we're not, we, we can't even place blame on the parents because the example you gave of the young woman coming home with her daughter and she, she's tired and she's stressed out from her day at work and here's this, you know, this beautiful child wanting to, you know, skip around and prance and sing because she's happy and the mom saying, you know, stop making this noise or whatever she wants to say to the child for the thing, oh, my God, you know, I don't have a pretty voice. Mommy says it sounds like noise. Noise is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Noise is taken as a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And so they could have been, you know, a famous singer, and, and, and that part of them was stifled. And it happens all the time. And so we're, we're talking about clearing out old messages. Mm -hmm. We have to clear out old messages. That's that's why I'm such an advocate of meditation. Mm -hmm. That's how you clear out old messages. Mm -hmm. That's one of the ways. That's one of the very powerful ways to clear out old messages. And what many people don't realize is that everyone can benefit from meditation. You don't. You, you don't have to 
Now, fortunately, especially in our Western society, people attach figments to many things that can be of assistance to them. And that's why they're not growing. And that's why their, their success is being held back. You know, they'll, they'll say something such as, oh, therapy, that's just for someone who's crazy. Or, oh, no, why would I go get a reading? I wouldn't want to do anything like that. Oh, oh, meditation, that, that's just for, you know, these new age people. Or, you know, people have their own takes on different things that are ancient practices which our ancestors knew and practiced and handed down. But many people in our Western culture are shunning, shunning these things and ridiculing the very things that they could use to change their lives dramatically and become successful. Mm. So with that example of the young girl, she would reach a point in life where her self-esteem is now really affecting her. It might not affect her that much when, you know, when she's a child, you know, preschool, at home, or whatever. Once she starts going to school mm. and tries to start making friends, Lots of business, the classes singing the class song or, you know, little songs they sing in assembly like the Star Cycle Diner or something like that, and the child next to her starts laughing, she might get this awful complex thinking the child's laughing at her and might not have anything to do with her. Absolutely. And that's how these things form. That's why it's important to take stock of your emotions, your feelings, check in with yourself, meditate, work with someone, go to somebody that's willing to work with you with that, mm. and check in on your feelings. How are you feeling? What, what are my triggers? Mm-hmm. I was walking down the street today, and the person that passed me, it appeared that they frowned at me. Now, the person that passed you might not have even seen you. They may have been, which is usually the case, very much absorbed in their own thoughts that they didn't even notice you. But because an expression on their face based on what they were thinking about at the time, you happen to see that when they pass you, and you're going to internalize it and say, oh, that person, that person um, frowned at me. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even, they, come on, let's be real, they didn't even know you were there. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening. So a lot of, you know, it does a lot of good to check in, what are my triggers? And then go deeper. Why did that bother me? Mm-hmm. And you may find that, you know, with these, sometimes you can, you know, figure this out for yourself. Other people need a coach or someone to work with them with it, but you'll find that many of your quote-unquote adverse reactions mm-hmm. were triggered by something that happened a long time ago that either you don't remember at all or you weren't aware of it because it happened so subtly, you didn't even know that something was being implanted into your subconscious at the time. Right. And we can take it to, like, deeper and deeper levels. And that's, you know, the average person walking around, and, you know, we're, we're all subject to that. Mm-hmm. Myself, I'm sure you are. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody, we're all subject to that. Absolutely. So it's so important to check in with ourselves, do a reality check, mm. but do it in the time that you're not in denial. Because if you're in denial when you're trying to do a reality check, then you're just wasting your time. Right. Well, that was very, very powerful. Those books. Thank you for sharing that. The, uh, the importance of doing a reality check. 
I guess that's always ongoing, that we can never uh, check in with ourselves and make honest assessments of who we are and dealing with the truth of who, are, who, who we are uh, in terms of being authentic with ourselves and being impeccable with our word as we think about ourselves and who we are. And then, of course, that translates into thinking of others with the same impeccability. Loving ourselves so that we can love others and, and have those others receive our love and return it. Thoughts itself. So thank you, Hunt, for sharing that. Well, I just want to add that we also need to be kind to ourselves. Ah, yes. And the reason I'm adding that is because within the scope of discovering what your triggers are and having someone work with you yes. and, and all of that sort of good stuff, Within that arena, you have to be kind to yourself because, number one, change is scary. Mm-hmm. Change is scary. So we can subconsciously sabotage our own change process mm-hmm. because we're afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And we're doing it on a subconscious level, so half the time we don't even know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So we have to be kind to ourselves and we have to give ourselves these kind messages to the effect of, I know I said I was going to be impeccable with my word. I know I said I was going to try to change. But it hasn't happened. But okay, I'm going to keep trying. I don't know when it's going to happen. It might not happen until next week. It might not happen until next month or next year. Mm-hmm. But I really want to do this, and I'm just going to keep trying no matter how it takes. Mm-hmm. And that's why I mean, we have to be kind to ourselves because mm-hmm. it is difficult to change. Mm-hmm. It is difficult to change. And it is difficult to willingly put aside habits and defense mechanisms and things which we think have worked for us all along. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to change that. So throughout the whole process, we give ourselves positive self-talk and loving self-talk. We don't put ourselves down saying, like your example before in the book with the person saying, oh, I'm so stupid. You don't call yourself stupid. Oh, I didn't change. I must just really be stupid. We don't do that. Well, a lot of us say that, but when we do it, we make a mistake. Yeah. Oh, I did a stupid thing. I, I have it. We hear that. We yeah. hear that growing up. We hear our yeah. friends say that. We, we have that in, 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 in uh, groups where someone is in a teaching environment or an instruction environment, and you raise your hand or you interrupt and says, you know, I have a question. It's probably a stupid question. I've but, done uh, that many, yeah. many times, and, and I still do. Mm-hmm. I I do that, and you know I do that with my godfather. I'll say, I have a stupid question to ask you, Papa. And he's quick to say to me, no question is a stupid question. And what do I say? No, but this one really truly is a stupid question. And we kind of like go back and Mm -hmm. back for a couple of minutes and then laugh it off. But it's so real. Exactly. That's what we all do, and nobody is immune to doing that. So we have to give ourselves positive self-talk whenever possible. Right. Oh, yeah. And be careful when there are other people around, especially children. Especially children. Because they will soak up what, they're like a tape recorder. Everything that comes out of our mouth, mm-hmm. they catch it and they keep it. Yeah. They're like a tape recorder. And, and what you were saying earlier, it's insanity when you're doing the same thing and you're expecting different results. Right. So you have those of us who curse amongst ourselves. And it's accepted. However, we don't realize, especially if you're home, your children are supposed to be in another room looking at TV 
or they're supposed to be in their bedroom asleep, and they hear this cursing. Let's be real. When we were children and we were supposed to be asleep and not hearing what our parents were talking about, weren't we asleep? Yes, we were. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then on a metaphysical level, even if it's not being heard, words have such a power, even beyond hearing, there's a vibration. Because we're listening, you know, the only way I can hear your voice and the only way that the listeners can hear me talking through the internet or through the phone in this walk-up radio is because of vibration. And that vibration, the eardrums and all that, all the mechanics, we won't get so deep into that, but there's a metaphysical, there's an auric vibration, there's an ethereal vibration that goes on. And there's a telepathic communication process that goes on. I'm glad you said that because we can hold, some of us can hold conversations with each other without opening our mouth. Absolutely. And it can go back and forth just like how you and I are dialoguing right now and nobody's opening their mouth. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, that happens especially between uh, twins, those who uh, are born uh, moments or seconds apart within their mother's womb. Uh, that happens between lovers, between husband and wife, spouses, those of us who become uh, evenly yoked with one another, yes. especially if they're soulmates. And, and if we've met each other and getting into the incarnation, if we knew each other in previous lives, you know, there's so many schools of thought and, and uh, areas of uh, reality that if we open our hearts and open our minds to, we begin to realize the profound aspect of the importance of being impeccable with their word. So I have a guest that's making me laugh right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. What do they say? Well, they didn't say it. It's what they didn't say. They put a smiley face there. Uh, that the teeth are showing really big. And uh, I'm jumping up and down. Uh, so I had to write back to them. That smiley face is a scream. That is good. so funny. Oh, great. And, yeah, I see that. You, do you see that? Yeah, I see it now. That, isn't that hysterical? Yes, it is. It is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Whether or not the seed grows depends upon how fertile your mind is for the seeds of love. It is up to you to make this agreement with yourself. I am impeccable with my word. Nurture the seed, and as it grows in your mind, it will generate more seeds of love to replace the seeds of fear. This first agreement will change the kind of seed your mind is further for. Be impeccable with your word. This is the first agreement that you should make if you want to be free, if you want to be happy, if you want to transcend the level of existence that is hell. It is powerful. Use the word in the correct way. Use the word to share your love. Use white magic, beginning with yourself. Tell yourself how wonderful you are, how great you are. Tell yourself how much you love yourself. Use the word to break all those teeny, tiny agreements that make you suffer. It is possible. It is possible because I did it, and I am no better than you. No, we are exactly the same. We have the same kind of brain, the same kind of bodies. We are humans. If I was able to break those agreements and create new agreements, then you can do the same. If I can be impeccable with my word, why not you? Just this one agreement can change your whole life impeccably. Impeccability of the word can lead you to personal freedom, to huge success and abundance. It can take away all fear and transform it into joy and love. Just imagine what you can create with impeccability of the word. With the impeccability of the word, you can transcend the dream of fear and live a dream of a different life. You can live in in heaven in the middle of thousands of people living in hell because you are immune to that hell. You can attain the kingdom of heaven from this one agreement. Be impeccable with your word. So that ends the second chapter of the four agreements. And uh, we will continue next week with uh, chapter three. And I'm looking forward to Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. I'm looking forward to it as well. And I just would like to thank everyone for tuning in and, and uh, sharing their thoughts in the chat room. And I look forward to you coming on on, uh, on the show again, or to the end of the show again, and being part of the power of the four agreements. So I, I do end the show by paying homage to our ancestors and to my, my elders, to my siblings, to my mother-in-law, bless her soul, to my beautiful wife, Spirit Change, and to all of you, I say, Peace and love, namaste. As-salamu alaykum, shalom. Otepu, I give blessings and I send love to all of you. I would like to say a prayer. It's a morning prayer, but it can also be applicable to the evening. It was uh, written by Marianne Williamson in her book called The Illuminata. Dear God, I give this day to you, and may my mind stay centered on the things of spirit. May I not be tempted to stray from love. And as I begin and as I end this day, I open to receive you. Please enter where you already abide. May my mind and heart be pure and true, and may I not deviate from the things of goodness. May I see the love 
and innocence in all mankind behind the masks we all wear and the illusions of this worldly plane. I surrender to you my doings this day. I ask only that they serve you and the healing of the world. May I bring your love and goodness with me to give unto others wherever I go. Make me the person you would have me be. Direct my footsteps and show me what you would have me do. Make the world a safer, more beautiful place. Bless all your creatures. Heal us all and use me, dear Lord, that I might know the joy of being used by you. Amen. Ashamed. Thank you, and I'll see you in the next show, and speak with you in the next show, rather. Peace and love. Mm-hmm.